welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Sloan. And joining me on the show today, I have with me a wonderful drag performer, as well as um, a leader of the Black Lives Matter marches that have taken place over the summer uh, here in Milwaukee. Um, he uh, uh, is in Minneapolis, right? Right now? Yeah, yes, yes. You're in, in Minneapolis. Minneapolis yeah. But uh, he did a lot of great work in Milwaukee this this uh, in the last couple of months. So I'm excited to talk to him a little bit about uh, his passions, his creativity, and why he does what he does. Tommy Frenecki, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and excited to be drinking. What What did you have? What are you drinking over there? I'm drinking hams. Oh, I don't <laughs> want to hear anything. I'm going to sit here with my truly. But, okay. uh... <laughs> yeah, no, I get a lot of shit about the hams, but... Um, well, it's hams, so. <laughs> well, it's okay. I I started drinking hams when I was done with school, so I wasn't like getting financial aid anymore. So I was just broke all the time. And hams is like the cheapest beer you can get a thirty rack of. You, like you um, literally, it's <laughs> less than. It is like thirteen dollars at Pick and Save for a thirty rack. You can't beat that. You can't beat that. You're right. You're right. But. True. I've been drinking a lot of Truly lately too. Like um, I was at the lake a couple weeks ago with a couple friends, mm-hmm. and all we drank was Truly's all all day. <laughs> Truly's and then and then Press. Press is the popular one too that I really enjoy. But uh, this is my go-to. So I have the what am I drinking today? The mango one. So oh, fabulous! Mm-hmm. Um, very nice. Well, uh, <laughs> I appreciate you joining me this afternoon. What you do today? Oh gosh, what did I do today? I got up, I had a uh, job interview, and uh, this, this is what I'm doing today. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, so, it's, a, it's, a, it's a more laid back housework kind of day today, getting all those necessity things, laundry, those good things. But uh, yeah, I haven't, done, I haven't done much today. Today was my, my relaxing off day of doing nothing, so. Well, good. Um, I'm, I hope I'm, Mr. Nice Guy podcast, I guess that falls under housework. Basically, same thing, right? Oh, yeah, you know, just just general daily chores, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, you're my third episode today. Um, I just started recording again yesterday. Um, after, like, almost five months of not doing it. And I was, like, super stubborn. I was, like... I don't want to do it over Zoom. Like, I feel like it's not as personal, but honestly, it's it's been just fine. So, yeah, I, I feel I feel like if I mean we're we're in a goddamn pandemic. So, I mean, doing it over Zoom, I think the face to face interaction. I think regardless of how it is, I I like this because I know that I'm safe and you're safe, and we're still able to see each other and see expression, um, which is different than just doing phone interviews, which I've done a million of, and I feel so impersonal when I do phone interviews or podcasts or whatever it is um so no I like the zoom it's it's a, it's a good choice so good good I'm glad um and yeah. the idea of doing it in person anyway it's like even if for one I don't want to bring people to I don't know where everyone's been like coming in and out of my place it's not safe right. and even if even if like we were doing it in person and people were wearing face masks like you can't see someone's face and like, right. it's a lot of it is about like, it's not just about what you say, but how you say it. 
and like and how you how you look when you say it because right, like you can right, right. sound genuine but your face is not genuine um i'm one of those people you'll see it on my face if i'm not being real you'll know uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so anyway so tommy what we talked about on mr nice guy we talked love and fear passion and creativity and like i mentioned earlier um we so we've been like friends on social media for like a while but we've never like yeah. formally met in person but i first like really like like I knew you were, I knew of your like drag persona, but I didn't like feel like I really knew who you were until, you know, I was going to um, the Black Lives Matter marches that you were leading. And, um, and that was about two months ago now. You know, you start seeing some of like the familiar faces, like at the different marches and stuff, like certain people, like you can expect will be there. And you were, I was just seeing you all week and I remember like we were there was one particular march that you led that was down um we were headed over towards the in the Marquette area and it was we took like a a little like um rest stop uh I think it was like right on like 16th street or so and 16th is it when I gave my speech and I cried yeah okay. yeah and that was yeah I was <laughs> Um, I was in that crowd, yeah. and I was, like, myself and uh, the comrades I was with, like, we were really touched by your story. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I, I, every time, most most often when I talk to people and they're like, I was with you, that's the one that uh, they pull out. So, like, I knew instantly when you were talking, I was like, I know exactly which one, what day he's talking about. So, yeah. That was when we, um, we, like, got halfway down the bridge, I think, and then we turned around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was when um there was there was car there was cars being reckless and we we don't associate with reckless behavior and that was something that we weren't condoning and we said well you want to be reckless in front of us we're going to turn the whole group around and make sure their safety is is our main priority so yeah yeah and that was the yeah like that was one of like the because usually I was marching like earlier in the days but that was one like I just stayed like all night and like mm -hmm. that was definitely i felt like one of the ones that was most like emotionally impactful like because it gets i remember like um we were talking about like the marches do get like they get more intense at night for sure mm -hmm. um yeah so our marches in particular myself and um my organizing counterpart cairo we wanted to make sure that we had a lot of women and children and elderly and just people that I wouldn't want to keep out all night because there does come a safety precaution of marching at night as there's incidences that happen. I mean, um, we had marches at night where we were shot at or rolled yeah. up on and it wasn't something that we wanted to do. So we started keeping our marches more like, Hey, let's start at, you know, two, three in the afternoon. Let's go till, you know, nine, 10 and cut it off. If you want to go meet with other marches, you can do so. But I wanted to make sure that I was getting my people to and from their locations safely and doing it in a way that, didn't put anybody's safety in at, at, in harm's way, I guess, or at, yeah, any of them in harm's way. So it's definitely why we kept it a little bit short earlier cut off, like, you know, nine, 10. So instead of going till two, three in the morning, um, like the marches for one, they move a lot faster as like it gets later at night and people are generally louder, but, um, but still like everyone that was out even to those very late hours were, no matter what hour of the day, like your voice matters, you know? 
Right, right. It's it's uh, it, I mean, the the point of a protest is to cause that uh, what 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 are they calling it in uh, Milwaukee? The civil unrest. Yeah. That's my favorite thing. Is um, you want to call it civil unrest, and we'll give you goddamn civil unrest. And um, if that's going till three in the morning, and that's going to disrupt people, then it's going to disrupt people. Um, obviously, I I I myself even ended a lot of the protests of my own at you know nine ten, but then still went out to the other ones and stayed out till you know three in the morning where I was like, let me put my own safety at risk real quick, just a little bit, because it's for the movement. But um, yeah, uh, you want civil unrest, we'll give you civil unrest, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, that was the week when like, we were all falling asleep to that helicopter, like that ominous helicopter, like every night. It's it's very, it's psychologically intimidating, you know, like that yeah. was, I remember that was terrifying for sure. Yeah, it was definitely, uh, the hel- speaking of helicopters, yeah, uh, I ended up ending my protest one day, and there was the day that they uh, blocked off campus, um, the UWM campus, and um, they had, like, black people in, and I remember me coming out of my apartment, I lived, I lived um, on the Lower East Side, right on Brady, and I had to sneak through, because they had, we were on lockdown, I had to sneak through neighborhoods and run through yards, oh, and, wow. like, avoid police cars and the trucks and the helicopters and things, like, going through neighborhoods just to get to it, and, like, the helicopters are intimidating, and they're loud, and at one point, there was, what, like, four of them downtown, just all over you, it's, yeah, it's definitely, definitely a scare tactic they use, and it makes it, it makes it scarier, but, you know, comes with the territory. Yeah, psychological warfare is, is it's been getting thrown around that term and it's, mm-hmm. it, it's been like that, that that's definitely applicable. Um, so well, yeah, like, I guess, um, I guess to start, like really, like, I'd love to hear a little bit about like, like um, growing up, I guess, like when you were, when you were younger, when you were a kid, did, did you see yourself as a leader? No, um, not at all. Uh, I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood. Um, my mother being white definitely used her privilege to my advantage. She put me in a good school district. She put me in a good neighborhood. Um, and I was surrounded by my white peers. And that was always something that was hard on me because people always say, oh, you, you got the privileged side of things. But I think the thing that people often tend not to realize is that I grew up in a decent neighborhood and decent school district, but I was also the only brown body until I reached like eighth grade. That was really predominant in my life. So I was still always the outsider. I was still the only brown skinned kid. I was still treated like dirt by the other white kids. I mean, it was like experiencing racial injustices and uh, racism from students from as early as third grade because um, I was different. Um, and it definitely took a large emotional turmoil on myself of dealing with that. Um, but I never viewed myself as a leader. Um, I always had those tendencies, but it was always leading myself. It was never leading others um, until probably like high school time. And that's when I started to discover myself and figure out who I was. And then I used me figuring out who I was to my advantage a little bit of like, hey, this is who you are. Be a strong bitch because that's what you deserve. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, but Oh, by the way, I should ask. Um, I swear like a sailor. So if it comes out, I can try and tone it down if this is more family friendly. Oh, I should have told you. I should have told you you can say whatever the fuck you want. Oh, <laughs> oh perfect. Perfect. Great. Um, I love I love to hear that. Um, 
but yeah, never, never viewed myself as a leader growing up until I was finally getting more comfortable with myself and I had gone through a lot and being on my own from as young as I was, then I discovered that you could be a leader for yourself. And once I figured out how to do that, I said, well, now's the time to be a leader for others. Um, and then venturing into my adult life, obviously now we're here. <laughs> um, but I, I didn't even see myself here until recently I got to, I got to see um, a mural that was done by local artist, Chris Burke. And to see yourself up there is the time that I got up the car and just bawled. I was like, this, this solidified it for me that like, I'm here and I'm making a difference and I'm doing what I should be doing and what I was put on this earth to do. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy not to look high, think of highly of yourself or the impact you can make on people when like you're grown up when you're growing up like everything that's different about you is how you're getting defined um but you know we've we have like hijacked as time has come on we've hijacked like different as being beautiful and a way that can you know establish community and let people know that they're not alone and it all just gets culminated with you know like all the work um, yeah. folks like yourself um, have tirelessly been doing the last couple of months. Yeah, it's definitely um, like, like I talked about like, growing up and it being, it being different for me is like, I grew up with a single mom until I was, until I was nine. And then she met her partner, my mom and her partner have been together for what 16 years now. Um, but either way, I went from having a single lower middle-class mom who was working two jobs and a student and I was the, her black son, which people never understood. Um, and then I went to being the black kid with two white lesbian parents. And that was a whole different um, yeah, outcast yeah. of kids weren't allowed to hang out with me because one, I was black or the other side is that I had lesbian parents at home. And that just didn't agree with the, with the family ideals of the community I grew up in, which just off of the city, it's amazing to see that that's a thing that's still predominant in those communities. But um yeah, it was, it was, I got, I got the short end of the stick when it came to uh, interactions with other kids growing up pretty much until I stopped, started cultivating my own relationships and not trying to find them um, yeah. outside of the community I grew up in. So where, uh, where did you grow up? Um, I grew up in Greendale, Wisconsin. Um, Greendale is um, just south of, it's uh, just, just south of the city. It's about what, 10 minutes outside of downtown Milwaukee to the south. Um, they call it the bubble. Um, it is one of the most whitewashed communities. Um, they've had racial things come up in their school districts. It's, they call it a bubble because nothing ever happens and it gets all swept under the rug. And I, yeah, it was, it's not some, it's not somewhere that I would raise my children. If I, like a lot of people are like, oh, my hometown, like it would be solid, you know, eventually build a family. I would never, I would never want to subject my own children to the treatment and the absolute disgustingness of what their school district and how they handle racial issues and try and sweep things into the rug. Oh, I hear you. I mean, I'm from, I'm from the uh, south, south suburbs of Chicago. Um, and while I did grow up around a lot of racial diversity, like, there's just such a suburban attitude to it, you know, and mm-hmm. like it, like, um, I'd say, and like, definitely, although like the, there was racial diversity in the student body, most of the faculty was still very white. 
uh, and yeah. didn't take racial issues very seriously. Um, there was a huge controversy. I remember like um, after I graduated about a girl that um, was black that during like the talent show, she um, almost had gotten her prom taken away um, because she used the N word in a performance that she did for her, for the talent show. Mm -hmm. And uh, like our principal was white and was the one that was trying to like take her prom away. But like, I, I think that it speaks to, I think that moment, it, it like d definitely kind of speaks to like that, how much like, you know, older white folks just really don't understand like mm -hmm. youth empowered in the struggle, you know? Yeah. Um, like I said, growing up, I didn't have very many black kids until I more got to middle school and high school. And when those kids, like a few of them had moved to like the city that I had that I, that I moved to Greendale and I was living there. And, but a lot of them were being bussed in from the inner city or from Milwaukee, which Milwaukee does surround Greendale or Greendale Greenfield on like a border standpoint, but they were being bussed in. And that was, that was the thing is they stayed together. And I was still, I was, I was the black, the black kid with white tendencies because I grew up there my entire life. And I didn't fit into their culture, which also like brings in a whole different standpoint of I didn't discover my inner blackness and what it felt like to be that way until I was a little bit older. And I started like really noticing how I was being treated differently. Where like growing up, like looking back at it, there was some really fucked up times that like I'm looking at now and I'm like, dude, if they had approached me now and acted like that, like you might catch these hands. Right. Real thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was like the black, I, I, I always, I always use the term, um, especially being biracial and being raised by white parents. And I guess having a different dynamic to life than a lot of black culture is I was always too white to be black and too black to be white. Um, which is something I stand by. And I, I talk about, I talked about it every day when I was in protests of like, I'm biracial. I'm also on the queer spectrum and it's insane to think that I'm I'm a weird anomaly on the outside of every of every part of me I'm slightly on the outside for it um I think that's what pushes me when I do what I do too is I'm I don't fit into a category necessarily from anybody um so why not create my own category and yeah yeah give them the giant the giant middle finger of fuck I can't fit into your right. category I'll make my own and I'll do it anyways so well I must say you have a a pretty badass category. Like, I, like, good for you though. You know, you know, black and <laughs> black and white, queer, just <laughs> it's a it's a trip. Um, I I totally hear you. So after high school, like, um, did you wait? Like, you did you go to college? I didn't. Um, so grow, growing growing up, I I, I battled with mental illness and things, and from a lot of trauma that I've since dealt with as a child, um, or I'm still dealing with, let's be honest, um, a lot of different traumas that I dealt with outside of race stuff. Um, but my mental health definitely struggled when I was 17, 18. Um, and I stayed, moved to the um, city. I, I wasn't able to partake in going to college. I couldn't, it wasn't affordable. Um, it wasn't on my plan. My plan was to apparently fuck up my life. Um, and bring myself to rock bottom a few times over the, the course of a few years after high school. And I just wasn't afforded the opportunity. 
But I got my shit together and um, I worked my way from the bottom to the top in the companies I was working for and was able to do it without a college education. So to answer your question in a short time, no, I didn't go to college. Um, but I did go through a lot of a lot of bullshit after high school and some some big turmoil stuff too. So it all comes with a grain of salt though. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least you don't owe uh, thousands and thousands of dollars of debt like I do. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't owe thousands and thousands of dollars, but I uh I owe thousands and thousands of dollars in my rent space in my head, but uh <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> some of these some of these thoughts live rent free and I wish they didn't, but <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh I, I, I hear you there for sure. I mean but... good for you that you were able to work your way into the, the leadership the community leadership. So that being said, yeah. uh when did you so I know your 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 drag persona is Tommy Bordeaux. You wanna tell us a little bit about how it came to be and everything? Um, Tommy Bordeaux. So I had started working at a local nightclub that is like Voldemort, so we don't fucking mention the name. Um, started working there. Um, I started working there underage, actually, which is fucking insane. Um, but I was there for a long time, and I got, I got to be friends with the drag queens and the other entertainers. And I followed it for a while, and I ventured into the scene on my personal side, like not out in public. or And then stepped out of it and then there was an opening for a show director position mm. and I hadn't been in full drag or done any of it and I said well I can do events and I can do business so why can't I design a show and I ended up getting in drag for the first time for that for my first show oh. and it yeah which um I had a show in one of the big in the biggest nightclub in Wisconsin and I was just getting in drag for the first time and I had this idea and I turned it around and um, I built a persona that was a, to deal with my own emotions too, is to, to, to a good bridge of my masculinity and femininity, whatever the fuck those terms mean yeah. in society. Um, I think that they don't exist, but unfortunately they, yeah, they right, right. About. <laughs> yeah. um, so I do bearded drags. So Tommy Bordeaux is, um, the bearded wine mom, uh, um, yeah. Bordeaux is a wine um, I, got, I think I told you earlier, I have, a, I have a tagline. It's, um, I'm expensive like the wine, but tastes just kind of all right. <laughs> right. But it, I, I, I built my love for wine. Um, and then my mixture of, of masculinity and femininity in my daily life um, and put it into a persona and was able to express myself and do that. And I also was given a show, which caused some ruckus in the community. Um, but I did damn well, if I do say so myself, not to blow smoke in my own ass, but um, I, drag is something that I, I hold near and dear, and you can't see, but this door behind me is filled with fucking drag. It's oh, insane. Yeah. It is a, it's a mess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I definitely love it. I am booked out here. I have gigs in Madison coming up at the end of August. Um, be back in Milwaukee this fall a few times and so you so you like actually drink Bordeaux you like Bordeaux oh yeah um there is a I believe there's a bottle in my cabinet right now um I have a whole cabinet of wine there's like four or five bottles of wine there um currently at a time they stay stay four or five bottles um there was a surplus, but I've had a I had a rough weekend, so um, I drank a little bit of oh, wine. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so do you drink for no though? Um, I'm a I'm a I'm a wine freak. It's the truth. Uh, well, I'm a 
I'm a cheap beer guzzler, so I was gonna I, say I don't want to hear anything about alcohol. I'm not one to you, talk. Mr. Hams. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not one to talk whatsoever. Um, but no, I like I like the sweet, cheap wines myself. You know, I don't I don't really go for like. I mean, like if like my partner and I like if we have dinner, like we'll get like a nice red wine or something. But if I'm trying to like, you know, feel myself and I'm drinking wine, I like the bubbly stuff. You know. Oh, so you so you wanted to you wanted to okay I got you I feel you okay yeah so not my cup of tea but I'll take it <laughs> yeah 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 no I'm generally like I I go pretty cheap with alcohol and I'm usually pretty okay with it we, we see we we see all that Mr. yeah Hans. yeah you, I don't, I don't, right <laughs> exactly yeah. um, so were you like regularly perf- like doing gigs in Milwaukee. Yeah, so when I so when I got when I got that show director position, I had I was hosting a weekly show on Friday nights, um, and then I slowly integrated myself into being in the scene, and I was being booked at Dick's Milwaukee, which is one of my favorite bars, and then this is it, this is it bar in Milwaukee as well, and it's... also one of my yeah tits tits and dicks. Um, there's tits and dicks, two. right? Tits yeah. and dicks. Um, but uh, yeah, I was performing on a regular basis, if not once a week. And then there was a point in time when I was only doing drag and I was in drag three to four days a week. Um, and that's how I was paying my bills. We'll say paying my bills, yeah. making it by. Yeah. Um, Loosely. But I de- yeah, I de- but I definitely also fell down a, 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 rab- a deep rabbit hole um, of getting mixed in with the wrong crowd and dealing with drugs and things and it was it was a lot to start in the scene in Milwaukee and see all the behind the scenes stuff that I wasn't seeing before um and really watch it absolutely tank everything in my life um drag and working in the gay bar scene here absolutely destroyed my personal life um it took down my relationships it took down my own self-worth. It, it, it definitely, it definitely was a lot. And that's not to deter anybody and say the Milwaukee scene is terrible, but um, being more involved in the community and doing the things is I wasn't a strong enough person to deal with a lot. And I definitely, I struggled with drugs um, coming in and out of the club I was working at and dealing with that and being at work every day was a struggle for me. And I started spending copious amounts of money and, I was doing drag and that's all nighttime stuff. So you're drinking and you're doing all this. And um, it took me a good year of absolutely like destruction to my life um, while doing drag and dealing with all that to really be like, listen, get your shit together. You can fucking do this. Um, This is all, this is all pre-movement stuff too. um, But yeah, it, it it was a lot. And I, I love what I do. And I think that I've invested so much, but I've invested more in myself now and using my craft to figure out my own shit and build myself up. But yeah, it's been a wild ride over the last few years. I, I haven't been to too many drag shows, but once they're a thing again, we'll have to see more of them. Uh, mm-hmm. I definitely want to go out to some more for sure. Yeah, I always, I always recommend people go to shows. Um, getting to talk to drag queen like this conversation is something that doesn't happen very often. So like, I'll give you the nitty gritty. I'll give you the dirty truth about the drag scene. Like we can, we can talk all the shit. Um, but also too, is I'll say that it's a community that supports you is there's different variables and things and you may make bad choices or it depends on the person. 
Um, but the community is definitely a family regardless, and we take care of our own. Um, we'll also destroy our own, though. Um, it's it's a very positive, negative, back and forth. And yeah. if you don't see in the cookie cutter guidelines, you're out or whatever it may be. But it's definitely a family regardless. And I, and I appreciate all the time that I got to spend there and still be involved there and all those good things. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, well, still doing it in Minneapolis. So that's cool. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, getting to travel a lot. So yes, yes, still doing it. Still doing the damn thing. Still a drag queen. Still adapting my aesthetic. All the things. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Um, very cool. Um, so, um, I'd love to hear a little bit about like so. Um, so I, I take it like you recently moved to Minneapolis. Yeah, July first. So I've been back to I've been back to Milwaukee. I think <laughs> too many times since I moved here. Um, but it's, it's a four hour drive. I'm still keeping checking in on the community, still making sure I'm still keeping my ear, ear to the wall a little bit. Um, so I'm definitely still involved there, but yeah, I've been here for a month as of in two days, I will have been here for a month. So sure. What, what, uh, brought you out there? A new start. Um, like, like I said, when I, uh, was, so before, um, George Floyd's death and the rekindling of the fire underneath the community about the Black Lives Matter movement and the injustices and things that like that, um, I had been laid off from my job. It was COVID time. Um, my relationship, I was no longer in a relationship and my lease was up and I said, you don't do it now. You're never going to do it. I had already started everything in swing and then. George Floyd's killing happened or his murder happened. And, um, it was, it was, it was a free fall at that point for the community. And I was like, well, I'm still here. I'm unemployed. I can put myself at this movement and help and do what I can before I leave and still try to stay involved once I leave. And yes, yeah, so I've been here a month. Word. Sure. I have a good friend who uh, lives in Bloomington and, uh, um, I need to spend more time in the Twin Cities. I heard they have a great music scene. So they have a good music scene. They have a good, a solid art scene. Um, their development, I always say, from Milwaukee, their development is they're like twenty years ahead in yeah. ev in ev in every department for the most part. Um, like developmental wise, like just architecturally, transit wise, their transit system. I can't get over their transit <laughs> system. If I can rant and rave about anything in Minneapolis that is like mind blowing coming from Milwaukee is the trans is the goddamn transit system. The trains, the buses, the bikes, the the everything. Um but it's de it's definitely ahead of Milwaukee in its time, that's for sure. Come on, <laughs> visit. Please come visit. Um I follow will. me and I'll show you around the Twin Cities. Um I've been here a month and I can get you around at a minimum i can get you around um yeah. <laughs> oh yeah i i'll come see you and uh we'll drink some good wine we'll drink some not hams anything yeah. but hams and that that's <laughs> that's like I'll that's take, like i'll take rail gin over hams you're killing right. me with the hams fair fair enough i mean that's the that's sort of like the tagline of like all my friends like they anything but hams so um but yeah no i'll definitely i'll definitely come uh i'll come hit you up um so how i guess like how like how did it happen from 
sort of your inception into like you know the community organizing that would become like the George Floyd protests in Milwaukee like how I guess did you find your footing in like being one of the leaders there um so I had already so be long before or uh, what October of last year I'll start, start a little backstory October of last year the um, nightclub that I was working for there was some racial racial things brought up and there was media coverage and a protest outside of the club and things like that and that was when I first like realized that like you can have a voice in, in your community talking about racial things and then that kind of died down and it, it it's still behind the community and fueling a lot of opinions but um then it kind of died down and when George Floyd um when he was murdered it was I was sitting at home and I watched the video like the video like a day after it went up and I was like this is this is fucked up this is wrong and then I saw that there was a protest happening um and I attended the protest and I was here for it and there was a few days where it was a little bit unorganized in the beginning and it was kind of like people's safety were at risk and people were rioting and there was police everywhere and people were getting tear gassed and then there was it was probably what the third third day um i was in a crowd and i watched the police i watched the organizers of that march walk, like kind of blindly walk these individuals into being tear gassed by the mpd and i got tear gassed and shot by two rubber bullets that day and i was like there's got to be a way to avoid this there's got to be a way to, to be able to do this and have less interactions that happen like this and I met another organizer that same day, and we ended up leading this protest, the, that protest that got gassed and stuff. I guess there wasn't really a designated organizer that day, and we ended up leading them to the end of the night. And we said, tomorrow, we're going to meet in Humboldt Park. And we made an event, and we showed up, and here we sit on day almost 60. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it was kind of like, we were like, well, we organized and we did well. We got them done safely, whatever. We did the thing. Um, what do we do next? And it was, well, let's organize a start time for tomorrow. People are asking. Um, and we said, well, hump park tomorrow at three. Um, and then it was, well, what are we doing tomorrow? What are, what are we doing in two days from now? Well, what, what are we doing next? And him and I kind of just fell into that spot. It wasn't like we wanted to go against any of the other leadership or organizers in the city or we weren't here for how they were dealing. There was some organizational things that we didn't agree with all the time, but it was something like we kind of just fell into it. And then it became, well, this is your job now. Um, you're taking care of hundreds of bodies a day and making sure they're safe. Um, but it was like, Hey, if we can do it and be organized and keep these people safe and do it on our own, then let's keep these people safe and do it on our own. Thank you for sharing all like the backstory and everything and like like that's a lot. I'm a talker yeah, too. Yeah. You got the you got the right one. I will talk talk your ear off. Oh, I'm I'm a talker too. I have ADHD. Um so yeah, um well like that's that's cool how like you kind of just sort of like it seems like you just sort of stepped into it. Um like um just a couple days in like um, yeah, day day three. Day three was our was our first day. So there had only been two protests before two protest two full protest days before that, and yeah, it was like May thirtieth or so, probably mm -hmm. somewhere around there. Yeah, 
Um, like I, I marched throughout like that week and the following week when they were like um, full force, like going on several times a day with different crowds going on and uh, um and like yeah the the crazy thing is that i think that everyone should keep in mind is that yeah like they never stopped like they they never stopped and yeah like you like you said we're on like day 60 now and those yeah, folks are um, still out there there's a protest going on right now they're going from milwaukee to dc <laughs> wow that started today yeah um they did milwaukee to madison a few weeks ago um they're doing milwaukee to dc apparently started wow. today um which i really wish i could be a part of i'm unfortunately 500 extra miles away in minneapolis or 350 whatever you want to call it um but yeah it's still going full force around the country um and the shit that's happening in portland is fucking insane all over the country, things that are happening and black people still being killed unjustly now because of the protests, yeah. which is insane. And watching them beat down, beat down people. And this is why the movement is doing what it's doing is um, changing, changing black, changing black rights and black lives changes lives and rights for all. Um, I think that, you know, it comes down to the most marginalized people in the United States are women, black people, and indigenous people. And I think when you start to focus on those groups of people and you start changing things for them is when you really start to get down to the nitty gritty of fixing it for everybody. It's, it's I, I hate to use this phrase, but it's the, it's the trickle effect of hopefully changing the lives of us extremely marginalized and oppressed group of people will hopefully trickle up to the end of the day. And I, I hate to, the, the end of the day, the cisgendered white man is the last person to receive that trickle effect. But those are the people that seem to be the most upset about what's going on. Um, but it's, it, it's, I guess it's been so many years of the oppressed that at this point it's our time to speak and it's our time to be able to, fix what's happening and if you look at it the people causing the chaos and the bullshit around the country in every city that's still struggling is a white senator or a white governor or a white policeman or just anybody on the police force in general at this point and i guess it's it's caused a ruckus heard around the world it's it's caused a movement heard around the world and i think that we're still going it might have lost media coverage, but it doesn't mean that it's stopping. Yeah. It's what the fuck, what, what kind of crazy shit are we going to do next that's going to cause this, this story and being able to talk about these injustices against, against African-American people in the United States. What are we going to do next? What are we gonna, how are we going to put it in the media again? Let's, let's march from Milwaukee to D.C. And, you know, those media companies are going to pick it up along the way as it goes. And, or let's stand out and do overnight protests in front of the courthouse like another organizer just did uh one of their organizers got arrested and they camped out in front of the milwaukee courthouse um wow. yeah overnight they threw a block party in front of the courthouse damn and they, they said wow. well we're all going to stay out here all night until you release him and they ended up releasing him and whatever the backstory is on that i'm not 100 percent sure but like that was a day of protest that was a day of civil unrest of we're gonna close down your streets we're gonna yeah. murals up we're gonna we're gonna not let the city save face anymore um that's not yeah. something that continues to happen but 
see how much I just went through. I went through no, three no, different no. topics just then. So please stop me if I end up talking too much. And I'm drinking. So like you, you created a monster. No, 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 no. Um, no, no I, I, we love to see it. That right? This year. So for one, like, you know, we look at history and how we've, you know, how protests and the civil unrest and how just revolutionary movements, like how they took place. Like they weren't like, they were not day long things like the sixties and seventies are so full of them. And like they worked and they led to social and, you know, um, social political revolutions. And like, that's what we're doing right now. And like, um, and I think one of the biggest things that this, like that the George Floyd protests, as well as, you know, just, you know, protesting against you know police violence against black and brown folks is that it showed us as white allies that like we can't just we can't just show up to a protest and think we did our part we can't just donate once and think we did our part one or a couple time um contribution to the movement this has to be something that we stand behind until justice is is received and like yeah and i'm really proud of like a lot of like my friends that have come to terms with that and like are still committed to fighting the fight and you know standing for justice and like not like not you know becoming not feeling like they did enough and that like you know the world's just going to keep turning like, yeah, because that's, this is not how justice works. Like it's got to, it's going to keep go. Like we're going to keep fighting until, you know, for right. one, the cops and, are arrested that killed Breonna Taylor for one. In addition to a myriad of dozens of other things. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. And I think, I think what, what, what you just touched on is that that that's an ally in the movement is someone who, I need to I need to keep doing more. Um, often we find people who call themselves allies, especially white bodies, um, doing it for validation of themselves. And I can't tell you I can't tell you enough of me like pulling a protester off to the side and be like, "You're not here for fucking you," or "You're not you're you're only here for you. You're not here for the movement." Um, oh, that it, that that part fuels my fire too. Of like. Yeah. My skin color and who I am is not a reason to validate your bullshit. Right. Um, it's not. Um, I'm, I, uh, I don't get treated like shit by the police or allow my brothers and sisters to be treated like shit by anybody for you to come in here to make yourself feel better or more validated. Or like you're, you're making a change. Are you really here for the change or are you here for the, I went to this many protests. Right. Like, like that that social media influencer shit where they're out here posing having photo shoots like there was uh, there, there was that. definitely there's definitely times of people like we'd pass we'd pass people or we'd I'd see people like taking a large group selfie and I'm like all of you are white why the fuck are so you can say you went to the protest today like I get it if you're if you're gonna come out tomorrow and you're gonna post yourself be like hey we did this today and we did that but let's talk about it like are you really gonna do it or are you just are you taking this to post it online, or what are you what are you doing it for? And there was times that I caught people like, oh yeah, we were just gonna post that we are here today. 
okay, well, are you going to be here tomorrow? Oh, well, I, will I, will I work? And I, and I do, I said, okay, so are you going to be here? Are you gonna be here like later in the week? Oh, well, we'll see. Oh, we'll see. Cause I don't get to, I don't get to say, we'll see if I'm black every day. I don't get to say, we'll see if Brianna Taylor is, gets to have her life back or I don't get to right. say, um, you know, does Seville Smith or, um, Sandra Bland, do they get their lives back? I don't, I don't, I don't get to say that. So it, it, it's a, it's a really big thing of like hearing that you have like friends and yourself of saying, I should be doing more. I should be listening. I should be educating myself more. That's an ally for me, not to hijack your comment, but like, it's, 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 we don't get to choose to be black, but you choose yeah. to be an ally. You get to choose to be an ally. And right. if, if you're not doing it appropriate, it's not, I just need another body. It's called get the fuck out of my movement because I don't need a fake body. I need a body that's going to be supportive and be there and listening and education and getting education and doing all those things. And yeah, no, like, I think absolutely. <laughs> I, no, like I, like you're absolutely right. Like I, what you're saying right now is what I think many of us white folks, you know, here to, that want to be allies like that, that's what needs to be instilled in us. And it can't, we can't drown that out because yeah. we're going to be doing this because obviously this is, it's not even, it's not a new thing. It's a result of ongoing oppression and we're going to be undoing this for the rest of our lives mm -hmm. as allies. Right. We will be fighting this fight for the rest of our lives. And uh, like, We'll be fucking damned if we think we did enough when killer cops are still on the loose and right. um, racists are still out and about getting yeah, used. I, I always say we've been, you know, I, I, I believe in the phrase and I've seen it. It's a marketing thing, but I've seen um, we've been partially free for the last 155 years. It's, it's the truth. Yeah. Um, we're all partially free. Um, I definitely believe in the the concept of a. Uh, we're still in slavery. We just got moved to better houses. Um, it's a whole the whole capitalism thing of uh, I'm still a slave to the man. I just got put in a better home. Um, I'm still expected to work for a rich white man who's going to sign my paycheck for me to be able to survive. And if I don't work for the man and I don't work for that white man signing my paycheck, I'm I'm fucked. Um, Fully believe that, and that's that's obviously something that comes along with the movement as well. Is fair pay has been a thing um, amongst many industries, like the like the drag industry. To relate to myself is payment to black entertainers across the board has been less, or there's been majority white casts and things, and not inclusionary for you know black identifying folk, um, and it's things like that. Like I, we we want to be treated fairly on every single ground and not just be partially free, but be free. And um, the promotion of black businesses is a whole nother concept to talk about. And it's a whole thing. Um, but the fight's definitely not over. And I will die knowing that I was able to contribute to another part of the civil rights movement that's been going on for the last 60 years that I've been, that I was able to contribute to that. Cause I will never see what it's like to be a fully free black body ever in my whole life. It's something that's going to take decades to change and I will long be gone and my children and their children will, you know, be able to see the effects of the movement that's going on right now. And I think that's another reason that I do what I do is I get to 
I get to change the world just a little bit for my own brown skinned babies that are going to run this earth one day. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's forever going and it's, it's been going on for, you know, 155 years. It was going on before that. Um, and I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like, like 1865, Juneteenth, you yeah, know, yeah, last yeah, of yeah all, 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 all those things. For those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, educate yourself on Juneteenth and what it is and what it means. Um, but it's something that'll go on for, you know, another 155 years and maybe, maybe we'll see people be free, but at least I know I'm making some kind of change right now. I admire you and all the work that you do and everything you embody so very much. So thank you. I I appreciate, I like, you know, I appreciate you, you know, taking the time to like have this conversation because like, it is really difficult to talk about, like for many folks and understandably so you know Mm -hmm. so like i appreciate you like you know putting not only yourself on the line but like i mean it's not an overnight fix it's not a weak fix it's something that we it's the power to people yeah it's big it's bigger than every and then every person that's in the fight right now and i think that that's something it's bigger so we always say that it's it's not the white person's time to talk right now it's the black body's time to talk and um, it's bigger than those black bodies that are telling you white bodies in the streets what to do or how we're doing things for the day. It's bigger than um, a black individual like myself organizing. It's bigger than that. It's something that's going to go on long after you and I, whether you have a discussion discussion about it or not, it's it's going to go on long after we're both gone and dead. However, however the world chooses to take us, but long after we're gone, it's still going to be something that's going on. And it's, it's our job to build the generations for the future to be able to continue the fight. Um, so I, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's the one advice is if you thought you were going to come out here and change the world, you're in the wrong movement. Yeah. If you thought, if you, thought you were going to come out and, and help influence the change of the world, you're in the right place. Yeah. Um, Allyship isn't about change over. I mean, any any movement isn't about change overnight. It takes you know years and decades and things like that. So I definitely think like if you're here for the long term or here to make a ripple for the long term, you're in the right place. If you're here to see something change so you can talk about it and say I helped do that, you're in the wrong fucking place. I can tell you that much. <laughs> that's fucking. That's fucking right. So the last question I wanted to ask, um, in terms of the next couple months and what's to come in the continued fight mm-hmm. and just like what you hope to see um, as somebody who has community organized that was, has been really involved in the fight. Mm-hmm. Like what, you know, what do you expect from like, what do you like, what do you expect from allies right now? And what, like, what do you hope we accomplish as a community? I think that how how do I put this? What do I what do I want from it, or what do I, what do, what do I hope to see from it? Um, I how do I word this? I got to think about this. How how to answer this appropriately? Take take um, I think it's what what I what I want to see is is more is more inclusion. Um, I think something you and I didn't necessarily touch on, but it's something that I hold near dear to myself is um, really seeing the inclusion of my LGBTQ community and 
and the outlining is the community's been great about talking about that like black trans lives matter and uh things like that but seeing seeing the whole community come together is something that i think is extremely important of that's something i strive to do is really include my trans brothers and sisters and my black non-binary folk and really seeing all the communities mesh together and i want to see you know the extension of a hand um there's so much internalized fragility in our community but it's i want to see the remembrance of the names is is you've heard say their name um and it's always been at the marches it's usually mainly bigger media names like um brianna taylor or george floyd or um Acevedo for another milwaukee right um things that things that gained big media headlines but like where where are we talking about like like remy fall remy fells which was like a, a tra trans woman who was killed or you know talking about those types of people um and those like they're part of our community too, and really talking about them is what matters. About like Rhea, Mal Rhea Milton, which is another um, trans body that was killed unjustly and in the most grotesque and inappropriate way. And I, th I think I want to see more more conversation about that um, because I'm not just an activist. I'm not just an activist for the Black community. I'm an activist for the LGBTQI plus community, and. Yeah, I think if I could, if I could, if I could see a future in any of this movement, it would be, and if I could ask anything, it would be be inclusionary to everybody that's of our community. Because first and foremost, before anything, you are black. Um, obviously, you are a human being first, but I hate that because that opens up that door for all lives. Yeah, it doesn't fucking matter because sure we're all human, but the first thing you see is not a human being. You see the color of their skin. Um, when you when you when you see us see us for the color of our skin, don't be colorblind. Um, but I see getting justice for Brianna Taylor, and I see getting justice for Ahmad Arbery or Arbery and people like Rhea Milton and Philandra Castillo and all of all of those names on that list, and it just goes on and on and on. Um, I see getting justice for them. And our fight isn't done until we receive justice for those people and we stop seeing so many unjust deaths by police of black bodies. Um, this fight's long from over. Um, and until that justice is, justice is served correctly, um, it's not going to stop. Um, a current demand right now is like the, the, the arrest in charge of the killers of Breonna Taylor. Yeah. If you do that, that doesn't make the movement go away. Right. It puts pressure, but I mean, things don't stop. <laughs> yeah. um, we're, ask, we're asking for those things, um, but those are short demands on a long list of things that need to change in our community. So, yeah. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And uh, what resonates so hard that we have to remember those names, like even in the, even in the long form, like history, like we have to remember Marsha P. Johnson, and there's just there's been so much erasure. Mm -hmm. and there's even there's even there's even talking about like um, something I I used to I, I I brought up at every protest I organized was, do any of you know who the who the founders of the Black Lives Matter organization are? Because they're three black queer women. Yeah. And the internalized homophobia that we see in our community and the internalized misogyny, you're using a, a organization's name and that the phrase Black Lives Matter without 
appreciating where it came from, like Alicia Garza and Opal Tometi and Patrice Cullors, which are the three women who founded the movement. And we're not, we're not supporting that community. And that's, that's where I talk about inclusion is because the movement that you're standing behind and the, the phrase that you're walking behind and you want to talk about Black Lives Matter and what the social movement is, is it was formed by three queer Black women. And if you're not ready for that conversation, like I said before, you're not in the right room. Yeah. <laughs> Some of you aren't ready for that conversation and it needs yeah. to be had. But. Yeah, people also, for, people in the music scene need to remember things like house music came from Black gay men. Like, people have to remember things like that, you know? Like, oh, you know, if I could tell every country-ass bumpkin Trump-supporting hick that their music that they rock to, and when you're out here bumping Florida Georgia Line or Jason yeah. Aldean, that entire genre came from Black culture. And some of you aren't ready to talk about it. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. A lot of the clothing that you wear came from came from the black community and you're not ready to talk about it. Um, it brings me joy to say that shit to people because it's a conversation that they're not ready to have. Um, but just, just it, it, it always baffles me. I, lo I love to say that shit of like, you know, every, every country bumpkin, you know, and you're out here driving these trucks and you're out here doing the damn thing. Yeah. <laughs> or let's just remember, 90% right. of your life came from black culture and you have no idea. You know, white conservatives that are like even so-called evangelically Christian, Jesus A wasn't white and he was a radical leftist. So miss right. us with that shit. <laughs> right. Or 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 even like talking about like so I I I should I should rephrase um something about like when I talk, just talked about country music is something too is like uh you know a lot of the a lot of those hard right non-supporters of the movement you know here uh supporting country music is I, I know a little bit it's it's i mean all of it's from from immigrants and um talking about you know the irish and the celtics and all, all of that which is a whole separate conversation but uh yeah yeah where your music comes from and you know if you're not here to support you know immigration or black rights or whatever it may be then you know, you need to do some educational things, but uh, that's a whole, that's a, that's a time for a separate podcast. Right. Um, be, black culture. Um, yeah. <laughs> That'll be part two. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. For sure. Well, for the sake of time, um, uh, I think uh, you've done some great work here today. Like, I think we had a wonderful conversation. It was great to hear about not only your upbringing, but your drag mm -hmm. work, your community work, just things you want yeah. to see from allies right now. What you what you want what you need folks to realize about how larger than life this movement is like right it was yeah i i i have love for you and everything that you do so thank you thank so you. much thank you. of course no 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 thanks necessary as a black body it's my duty to support this movement and do what i do i just had a little bit more freedom to be able to i use that term lightly freedom i had a little bit more time on my hands to be able to be a leader of a movement um, but I appreciate allies like yourself and people who are going to listen to this or take something from this and, yeah. you know, the people who are going to fact check the shit out of me. Um, <laughs> listen, Oops. I'm a public, I'm a public leader. I might not have all my facts right, but they're, they're generally intact. Uh, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So, um, so as we close out, I ask everyone the same two questions as we end. So first, Tommy, tell me what keeps you up at night. My skin color keeps me up at night. Um, 
what who who I am as a person keeps me up at night, knowing that my black-skinned brothers and sisters and non-binary folk are still being killed every day is what keeps me up at night. But also what keeps me up at night is being able to be a part of that change is it's the long hours that I put in and that's what keeps me up at night. It's the organization and the making sure everyone's safe and that we're getting our message across is what keeps me up at night. So it's the injustices and the justices that keep me up at night. Yeah, that's a good way to put it for sure. Um, what puts you to sleep? What puts me to sleep? Besides a good a good bottle of wine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing. And I say that to a point of talking about things like this and even in my current state of like, I woke up this morning and I watched videos about injustices is what puts, puts me to sleep is nothing is that there, there's not time to sleep. There's not time to not stay up to date on things. There's no time for that until justice is served for, you know, people like Breonna Taylor or people like George Floyd. Um, nothing puts me to sleep until justice puts me to sleep. Actual stone cold hard justice is what puts me to sleep at night. And knowing that there's people out here changing the world and changing the rights for black people and everyone else, that's what puts me to sleep, if anything. So I would say there's no time to sleep. There's no sleep until you're dead. Um, but unfortunately, as I'm alive, I'm gonna have to fight for the people who are dead. And I don't have time to sleep until there's justice for them. Thank you so much for being on the show, seriously. Like, of course. Thank you. Thank you for sharing everything. Um, I'll make sure. Um, so I'm, I'm going to leave a link in the uh, description of this episode, like um, the phone number to call to leave a message for folks to leave a message with the Kentucky Attorney General um, to demand justice for Breonna Taylor. Um, I encourage everyone to do that right now. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're, we're not done and we're, we'll never be done. So. Yeah. I always say, I always say just take, just take time to, to look into your local legislature and look into signing pensions for your local communities and look into what you can do for the movement. And if you can't be out there every day, look at what you can do behind the scenes. Can you, you know, take your day off to volunteer at, you know, a depot or can you take yeah. your time to fill out a few pensions is that that's being an ally is the little downtime you do have if you do work take it to make change and redistribution of wealth that's a big one too uh, a lot mm -hmm. of us have our unemployment money and it can go to really important things right now so oh yeah yeah well thank you so much um as a reminder i am tommy bordeaux um, always remember to eat the rich um, and <laughs> anything else. Thanks for drinking with me. Had a blast. Oh, yeah.